Well, good morning and uh, welcome to worship today. We are glad to have you here. Uh, we flip things around a little bit today. I'm going to talk early um, and then we're going to sing. Uh, and so just uh, did that because I have a question to ask you. And that is, what is the most important question you've ever been asked? What is the most important answer you've ever given to a question that you've been asked? I was watching this week uh, a video clip that a member of our congregation sent me of their grandson being inducted into the military. And it was quite inspiring to watch hundreds of young adults who were in this graduation ceremony from boot camp and were making their pledge, their vow, and they were answering the questions. Um, maybe that's the most important question you've ever answered. Or maybe it was that question, you know, when the pastor is standing in front of you and your uh, bride or your bridegroom and they ask you, will you have this person to be your spouse for the rest of your life? I, I remember asking that of a, of a couple one time and there was this long, drawn out pause. And I'm like, surely she's gonna say yes. Please, she's gonna say yes. And, uh, and she did, uh, but it, it took a minute. I, I don't know what the, what the best or biggest question you've been asked is, but I know I'm about to ask you the most important one of your life, the one that's more important than any other question you're going to be asked. It comes to us in the Gospels in a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus uh, had... In Luke's gospel, they're coming right out of the feeding of the 5,000 that we talked about last week in Luke chapter 9. In all the gospels, it, it takes place where Jesus has moved away from the crowds to a place of privacy to pray. What's been going on, the reason the crowds were so large is because Jesus not only had been doing miracles and healing people and, and doing amazing things, but, but his disciples had been doing the same kind of miracles. And so much so that, that throughout the countryside, the rumors were flying and things were happening. And, and, um, and, and what's going on is, is that even Herod, the, the, the ruler uh, that Romans had put over Israel, the, the, the Pontius Pilate was over Herod, and Herod was the Hebrew ruler over his nation, but he was kind of a puppet king. And Herod had had, had John the Baptist beheaded. And, and then he starts hearing rumors of these things that are going on. Uh, they're recorded for you throughout the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, even John records the miracles. And what takes place is that, that people begin to talk about Jesus. That's, again, that's why there were thousands of people waiting on Jesus when he, when he landed the boat and then did the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 from the, from the loaves and the fishes. And what was going on is that people were saying, John the Baptist isn't dead. <laughs> John the Baptist is back alive. And, and then others were saying, no, that's not John the Baptist. There are, there, are people who are, there are people who are alive. This guy used to be, he's one of the prophets. He's, he's one of those Old Testament guys that we've read about all our life, and, he, and he, he's come back to life. And then there were some others who were saying, no, no, this is Elijah. The scriptures promised us that there would be someone who would be a forerunner to the Messiah, and, it would, and he would act as Elijah. And, and that, that's who this is, that, that it's making these miracles happen. And, and Herod actually says, you know, wait a minute, I, I, I hear all that, but I'm telling you, I was there when, that, when, when you know, I had John killed. 
And so out of all of that fervor, all of that, those conversations and rumors, um, Jesus is a way to pray, and he turns to his disciples, and he asks two questions. The first question is, who do people say I am? So I think that's a really important question in the culture. Because right now, there are a whole lot of opinions about Jesus. Uh, you've got people who are hungry for Jesus. You've got people who want to have a cultural Jesus. You've got people who want to have a radical Jesus. You've got people who want to talk about who Jesus is. And, and, what, and, and, and so it's not that dissimilar to what was going on in the first century. Because there are some people who tell you, well, Jesus was a good man. He was a moral authority. He was a good teacher. He was a prophet. Son of God? Yeah, not, no. But that's not the most important question. The, the most important question is not who do people say that Jesus is. No, no. The most important question is the one that Jesus looked at the disciples and asked next. Because here's that question from Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone and the disciples were with him, and Jesus asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah. And others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? See, that's the most important question. The, the, the most important question is not who do other people say Jesus is. The, the most important question is who do you say Jesus is? There's no greater question that you'll ever be asked because the answer determines everything in your life. Peter speaks for the rest of the group which he was prone to do. Only this time he did it well. He said, he said, Jesus, we believe you're the Christ. We, we believe you're the son of God. And in one of the gospels, Jesus actually looks at him and says, Peter, you know what? Flesh and blood didn't teach you that. Only God's spirit can teach you that. And this morning, the reason I'm sharing that question with you on this Sunday in March, on what is our annual Impact Sunday. And if you're here with us for the very first time today, we are so glad you're with us, even on campus or online, however you're with us worshiping today. Because this is a day when we talk about who we are. Because here at Eastside Church, it's not just an individual question, who does this person say Jesus is, or who does this person say Jesus is? No, no. This is our question. Who do we as a church say Jesus is? One of the great honors of my life is that God brought me to be the pastor of this church when I was very young. When I came here, I was the youngest pastor in the history of this church. Today, I am the oldest pastor in the history of this church. I have stayed a long time. Amen, yeah. But, but, what, but, but in that process... I'm, I was able to know all the other pastors of this church except the very first pastor. I know his family quite well. 
And so I've had conversations with the other leaders who've led this church since 1951, before I was even born. And, and I've been amazed at what they've told me about this place. And I've been here for a while. And I've been pleased and honored to be able to see the same thing happen. To see the answer to this question, who, who do you say that Jesus is? Become the mission of this church. You see, our, our mission statement is kind of long, but it's long for a reason. It, it, it's long so that we can encompass all the stuff that we do as a church. All that we believe God wants us to do and answer that question. Who, who is Jesus? We believe here at Eastside Church that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he is the Messiah. In fact, that's why our mission says that our job in answering that question is, is to basically tell people that we exist as a church for the purpose of lifting up Jesus, holding Jesus up to people so that they will know individually and community-wide that he is the Son of God. That's why that's the most important question you're ever gonna answer as an individual. But it's also the most important question any body of believers has to answer. And for us, we believe that the whole reason this church exists and has existed since 1951 is that Jesus is the Messiah. And so our job becomes to let people know that and lift him up. Now, we try to lift him up in three ways. First of all, we try to lift him up as Savior for those who are lost. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you've got to know in this place, we're going to tell you you're lost without him. You'll never find who you want to be. You'll never find who you were created to be. You'll never know all the blessing of life that he has for you if you don't know that he is your Savior. I realize that may sound like a little different language. We're never gonna ask you to join the church because what we believe is that once you ask Jesus into your heart, then you actually become a part of the body of Christ. And so whether that body of Christ is the universal body of Christ or it's a local expression of it, in our theology here at Eastside Church, what we're gonna tell you is this, when you accept Jesus Christ, you become a part of the body. And if you're a part of the body, then you're a part of us. And so we're here to lift Jesus up so that some people who don't know him and people who don't even know that they don't know him, people who don't have a clue, we're here to say, hey, here, here's Jesus. He can help you be who you were created to be. But we're also here to lift Jesus up as the person, the master, the Lord of the church. And, and, and what that means is simply this. I'm gonna share some information with you in a few minutes that comes from the work of our leadership team, which is our pastoral staff and our board of elders. And, and what you've got to know is that, that we share this work with you not because we are the ones in charge, but because we believe that Jesus is in charge. Some of you know, if you've heard me speak, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. I remember a time when my, uh, my father was a new pastor in a church. We had moved across the country, actually. And the church leadership had invited my father to, to help the church in some major initiatives, and things were starting to really happen and do great things. And, but there was a gentleman in the church who didn't like the direction the church was going. 
And, and, I, and I remember very vividly as a junior high age kid, uh, a conversation in the, in the connecting place outside the sanctuary of the church where this gentleman came to my father after a Sunday service and said, Brother Robinson, you need to know God didn't send you here to run this church. To which my dad very gently and lovingly smiled and said, you're right, but he did send me here to make sure you don't. Amen. Now, you gotta know, for our leadership team here, we're not here to run the church, but we are here to make sure nobody does but Jesus. That's our job. That's what we're about. That's what we're called to do. Oh, and by the way, if you've accepted Jesus as your savior and you're a part of the body of Christ, it's your job too. It's your job to be a part of the body of Christ in such a way that Jesus is in charge of your individual life. So the information I'm about to share with you today is information that's about all that God has done. Because you see, we also believe that we're here to lift up Jesus as the one, the one entity, the one individual, the one reality that can reconcile all the brokenness in the world. That Jesus, Jesus is the one who brings different nationalities and different races and different languages and all those kind of things together. And it's Jesus who, who is the reconciler. He calls us, empowers us through his spirit to be a part of his ministry of reconciliation of bringing people who are alienated from each other and from God together with God and together with each other. So since 1951, this congregation has, has answered the question that Jesus asked Peter when he said, who do people say that I am? Well, that's one thing, but who do you say that I am? And East Side folk have for 70 plus years said, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. And we've been on mission for that entire time, to let people know that the only hope for the world comes in the relationship with Jesus, both individually and corporately. And so that's why when we talk about why we exist, we, we, as a body of believers, we exist for the purpose of lifting up Jesus as Savior for the lost, as Lord of the church, as reconciler for the world, so that people can discover hope. Now, we abbreviate that a lot, because that's a lot to put on a T-shirt, Right? So we will talk about, hey, you know what we're here to do? We're here to lift up Jesus so people can discover hope. But every time you hear us say that, you've got to know. We're talking about lifting up Jesus, not just so that you can, you know, we can put on a sign somewhere, X number of people baptized, or X number of people came to an altar, or X number of people filled out a card. No, 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 we're here so that we can help people understand that, oh, and by the way, it, it's okay to fill out a card. It's okay to, to be baptized. It's okay to do that. But, but see, the purpose is not us being able to tell people that. The purpose is us to lift up Jesus so that those people who experience him individually can also discover not only is he their savior, but he is the one in charge of their life. He is the Lord of their life. And that when he empowers us through his spirit, that he begins to reconcile the world and reconcile us to each other. So once a year, today's the day, we come, and again, if you're a first time guest with us, it's a great day for you to be here. Because if you're trying to figure out a church and what it's about, here's what you need to, this is the stuff today. You're gonna find out who we are and what we do. And so today, I, I, I wanted to come back and tell you, hey, this is a part of this experience, people who experience Jesus, what we're talking about in discovering the hope 
is what does it mean to experience Jesus and know he is the son of God? Not just individually, but also corporately. What does that mean for us as a church? And so one of the ways we attempt to fulfill that are three things we try to do. We try to help people discover a relationship with Jesus Christ, to connect with God through Jesus, and then to connect with others who are also followers of Jesus. We, 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 we try to fulfill this purpose by, by helping people learn what it means to live in, in, as a servant in a world that, that values celebrity instead of servanthood. What, what does it mean that Jesus washed his disciples' feet? I hope if you're, if you're around on, on April 6th, on Monday, Thursday, that you'll, you'll come join us here out in the connecting place for a, a service led by, as they were telling you the announcements, led, led by a group, an organization of, of people who were born with Jewish heritage but are now followers of Jesus Christ who will help us understand Christ actually was present in the Passover years before anybody actually met him or knew him or before he was even born. But throughout history, people celebrated something they didn't even know. I hope you'll come and be a part of that because what we're gonna talk about is what it means to be servants. And so here we, we wanna help people, and we as a church wanna fulfill our mission by helping people connect with God and others, by, by learning servanthood that serves the world, and, and by growing as a disciple of Jesus. And see, growing as a disciple of Jesus, it, and this is a really important concept right now. In the last few years have just driven it to the front of the discussion in the church world. See, discipleship is not about you knowing all the right answers. Our job is not to indoctrinate you. Our job is to let you grow as a follower of Jesus. Our job is not to say, okay, can you answer this question and this question and this question. The questions are valid. The information is good. We want you to know it. But you know what we really want? We want you to grow as a follower of Jesus. There used to be a song uh, so in the, in, I'm going to date myself here. It was in the, in the early 90s, late 80s, and, and it was very popular on Christian radios. And here was the phrase that always caught me. It said, so I hear that you've been getting into the Word. But has the Word been getting into you? Has it made you more loving to your wife and your kids? Honest and truthful through and through. See, that, to be a disciple isn't to have gone to a course and checked it off and, and said, oh, okay, I, educationally, intellectually, I know the material. No, no, it's about a lifelong discipleship with Jesus. I accepted Jesus into my life as an elementary school kid. I, I preached my first sermon at 17 years of age. Trust me, I've been trying to find a copy of the cassette tape, and that's how long ago it was because I'll burn that thing if I can find it. You think this sermon's bad, you should have heard that one, okay? It was not good. But what I'm telling you is that I have been growing and I hope and pray to grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ until the day I leave this body and get one he's been preparing for me. None of us arrives. And so when we start talking about answering that question, this is how we answer it as the body of Christ, as the believers here at Eastside Church. And, and so this morning, I, we need to take a few minutes 
and kind of celebrate some of the ways God's helped us do that in the last year. For, for instance, it was about a year ago that we became aware of the war in Ukraine. It hit all the newspaper things, all that's been just a little over a year. And what we became aware of is that we had brothers and sisters in Christ on both sides of the fight. Because here at Eastside and our global family as the church of God, I mean, here at Eastside, we've sent work camps to Shalabinsk, Russia, former military capital of the Soviet Union. We have people from that church who have come here and worshiped with us and have spoken from this platform and, well, not this platform, the old platform before we remodeled. <laughs> and, and they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And they're in Russia. And then we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the Church of God congregations in the Ukraine. And when we saw a war going on and know that we have brothers and sisters who are on both sides of the fight, for some it's like, no, we, they, they can't be Christian and be on that side of the fight and they can't be, no, no, they, listen, you just don't know your history. In this country, when we had a civil war, there were people praying to the same Jesus with the same prayers who were wearing blue uniforms and gray uniforms. If you don't believe it, check your history books. In fact, some of you have family like, I mean, I have family members. Y'all know I talk funny for all y'all up here, right? And everybody goes, oh, you're a Southern boy. Yeah, well, here's the deal. <laughs> I grew up going to high school and junior high in the South. But I was born in Greenfield, Indiana. Hancock Memorial Hospital. Put my hand over my heart every time I drive by there. And I've got family members well, I've got family members who've lived in Madison County for their entire adult lives, buried here, cousins, all of that kind of stuff. But can I also tell you, I have some other family members who have never dared drive north of the Ohio River. Are we still family? Yeah, we're family. See, that's the beauty of a God who's a reconciler. And so when we found out about it last year, we found out we also had connections with the Church of God in Germany who could get information and, and, and supplies and things to the people who were being oppressed in Ukraine by the military invasion. And so we, we let our brothers and sisters in Russia know that we're praying for them and how they've got to interpret what's happening in their nation. And then we, I said to you, you want to take an offering if you want to give to help the people in Ukraine. And you guys gave $15,000 that we were able to send over to the Ukraine and get it delivered, supplies delivered by people we knew would get every penny of it into the hands of the people who knew needed it. And then later on in the year, around Christmas time, when, uh, when we came to that part of the year, which we have for years here, for 15 years at Eastside, we've had what we call Christmas families and, and people from this church have helped us and, and, and over the years we, we have helped families in Madison County. And the last few years, we've begun to partner with Operation Love, simply because we used to do this all. In fact, one year, we actually, we actually, as a church, made Christmas happen for 700 children in Madison County, just us doing it. But there were so many kids who needed help and, and so many different, different places. And so we began to partner with Operation Love. And so we not only let them use our facility to distribute the gifts for the children and the families, but you gave, again, you gave $14,000 above your tithes and offerings to do those things. 
So we start talking about it's our mission to lift up Jesus Christ so people discover hope for their living. We're talking about tangible ways. We're talking about individual ways. We're talking about corporate ways. We're talking about money. We're talking about time. We're talking about prayer. And so this morning, we just wanted you to know kind of where we've been, some of the blessings God's given us, and, and also where you might fit into this. Because here's what we know. This question that Jesus asked the disciples is the same question he's asking you. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's the same question he's asking us as a church and the question he's asking the entire Christian community and the non-Christian community. Who is Jesus? Is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Is he a miracle worker? Or is he the very son of God? And if he is the very son of God, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that in your life? Because we're coming out of one of the most culture-shattering events in a hundred years. The global pandemic was not some blip on the radar. It was not something that we had to endure till we could get back to normal. It was something that changed the very fabric of the world. And so, here at Eastside, we believe that no matter what happens in the world, Jesus Christ is still the Son of God. He is the Christ. And we want to be a part of his kingdom and what he's doing. And so, when the pandemic started, if you remember, it started in March of 2020. As I told you a few minutes ago, every March we do a Sunday like this. In fact, our, our structure here, our bylaws, our incorporation papers call for us to have a Sunday like this every March. And yet when the pandemic hit, if we wanted to be good neighbors, we wanted to help contain as much as we could the spread of COVID-19. The indication was we shouldn't meet, and so we didn't. And our leadership got together and we said, you know what, we'd already prepared a, a, a giving goal, a, something we thought God wanted us to do in that year, so we need to keep that goal because we don't really know what's gonna happen. And we're getting information from all the experts around the world, hey, you need to expect the church's giving to go down anywhere from 25% to 40% because nobody knows what's gonna happen when people can't gather. And in that first year of 2020 and into early 2021, our giving did go down but it only went down about three to 5%. You were amazing in what you did and the way God took care of it. But then, so we were like, well, let's just keep the same goal. And so we did. But then in the next year, the giving, the giving did go down. This time it went down about five to 8%. But if you add that to the three to five before, now suddenly it's down about 10. And so then the, the, the third year, when the inflation began to go up and all the economic indicators resulting from all the pandemic stuff and all of that happening, then, then suddenly our giving went down again and we, we never quite made that 20% that they told us to expect, but, but it did go down. And so suddenly now our leadership team and, our, and our, our structure is going, you know, wait a minute, we probably shouldn't have the same goal in 2019. So here's what we did. We ask our accounting people, our bookkeeper, our, our administrator, the people who do this for us as a church, and, and we ask them to just tell us, because our financial year begins April 1, runs through March 31st. We said, hey, would you just, would you just give us all the 
12 month expenses from January 1, 2022 to December of 2022. And when they did, it came to $1,483,000 is what we expect all of our expenses to be by this Friday. Now, at the same time, we expect that our income by this Friday will be $1,490,000. And so we looked at that and went, well, okay, we'll barely make, now you need to know, a year ago, some of you who are around here, one of the ministries God's blessed us with is a ministry called Grace Haven, which is a, a set of condominiums in a senior adult facility that are leased, or not leased, they're, they're actually provided at a discounted rent to retired ministers and missionaries. And for 15 years, we have provided at, at a minimal rent a place for those people. And we, had, for many years, had a waiting list. We don't tell you where the houses are because we wanna protect the identity of these people. We, we, we don't tell you who the people are because they are people who serve Jesus Christ. Some of them spent their entire life on the mission field or serving in a Christian organization, living in church-owned facilities, and when they got to retirement, they had nowhere to live. And so we leased these things to them. But over the years, we've not had as many. Early on, we had a waiting list for that. And so we came a year ago and we said, you know what, we don't have a waiting list. We have one that's sitting empty. We're dealing with the effects of a pandemic. Would you give us permission to sell perhaps two if we need to during the year in order to navigate through this? Well, the good news is we only needed to sell one so far. And that's kind of where we wanna go. But the fact of the matter is that when you're giving guzz go down and you have commitments, then you have to find a way to do it. And so that's what we did. But here's what we also did. We also began to say, but God is going to help us contain our expenses. So I do wanna to say to you that nothing on, that's why it says projected income and projected expenses. We won't know for sure until all the checks clear the bank and all that kind of stuff here in a few weeks. So if any of you would like to, I don't know, write a check for three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars, go right ahead, all right? Uh, just put them in a box in the back before you leave. Um, you know, some guy looked at me one time when I said that, said, oh, I can write you a check, the bank won't cash it, but I can write you any check you want, right? So don't only write us the ones the bank will cash, all right? But here's what I want you to know. We are supported financially entirely by the people who come on campus and the people who are in our online communities. It's our online campus and community, our online church, our on-campus church, the body of Christ, that supports this. And so we want you to know, that's why we handed you when you came in. Even if you're a guest with us, we, we want you to understand, this is what we do. Now, this is only one of our operating, of, of our funds here. This is our operating fund. This is what we do all the time. And so because we have this mission, because we have this situation, and because we have this opportunity ahead of us, we basically said, you know what, for the next year, we don't know what the economy's gonna do. This isn't like pre-pandemic when we could figure some things out with leading indicators. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna say, hey, you know what, let's just, let's ask for a giving goal for this year. We've, we've gone through, we've redone our budget, we've redone all of our personnel, we've got everything where it needs to be for this to be a $11,801 increase, basically less than $1,000 a month during this next year. And so when we do that, we try to take that money. Here's what I want you to know. Every dime you give here, this is what we do with it for our operating fund. 
we, we have the fact that we take the salaries of the people who help us with ministries that connect. We take the salaries of the people who help us with the ministries to serve. We take the salaries of the people who help us to grow. And we wrap those in with the programmatic thing so that even our personnel is all wrapped into this is what it takes for us to do these things because we're committed to doing these three things, to connecting, to serving, and growing. Now, because we have, since 1951, been here, and we've never torn down any part of the building, we have the original facility from 1951 used every week here, plus the additions that have been made over 70 years. So the, the, the part that says serve, we believe God has given us this facility as a place to serve people. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. Before the pandemic, we, we had actually had ministries and things going on in this facility seven days a week. Well, now we're, we're, we, we, you know, we shut everything down. Now we're back up to where we're probably somewhere around four to five days a week, and we will be headed back up to bringing it all out, but we're evaluating everything we do through that mission statement and how it can help us do that. And so when I, when I share with you those numbers, I want you to know that the reason the, that the serve number is 37% and larger is because it is what we use for the maintenance and the upkeep and the utilities of this facility. Um, we do not carry a mortgage on this facility because God was very faithful to us. Some of you know this, some of you don't. During the pandemic, we received a gift that paid off the mortgage of our church. When I tell you God blessed us in the pandemic, he blessed us in the pandemic. But, but what I'm also telling you is that um, we do, in addition to, to that, we, we have other properties, all of whom, all of, there's no mortgage on any of the properties that we own in the Grace Haven ministry, uh, in our missions houses. We don't have any, any indebtedness on them. We do have a credit line that we utilize um, and some years we get it all the way paid off by March 31st, other years we don't. Uh, but we, it's at a, an interest rate that is not gonna be horrible. But we do get it, we try to keep it and manage our cash flow with that. But other than that, that that's all we've got. So if you're a guest here today and you're thinking, why in the world is the pastor telling us all this stuff? It's because we got nothing to hide. In fact, after we're done today, if you want to come up or if you want to call through the week, we have an outside firm audit everything we do every year, and you're welcome to that audit. This year's audit will be completed sometime by late May or early June. And, and so that we just want you to know, we want you to know what we're doing. Now, why? Because we believe we're here to lift up Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as Reconciler. And we believe he's got a mission and a plan for us to help people connect to him and connect to each other, to serve him, to serve the community around us, and to grow in our relationship with him. So here's why I told you this is the most important question. Now that I've told you this information, okay, I need to let you know. Some of you are saying, going, okay, pastor, that's great for the church, but you know what? No, I have a question for you. You, who do you say that he is? And, and if you say that he's the Christ, then where are you connecting, where are you serving, and where are you growing? And so I wanna take the next few minutes, and I wanna show you seven opportunities. And for those of you, when I get through the list of these opportunities, and you go, well, pastor, that doesn't, that, that doesn't like fit anything that I've got a gift for, I've got two that'll fit for everybody, all right? So just wanna let you know, before you get out of here, I'm gonna give you a chance today 
First of all, to answer the question, is Jesus the Son of God? Is he the, is he the Messiah? And secondly, to answer the question, where am I connecting? Where am I serving? Where am I growing? And by the way, growing, again, isn't just intellectual content. It, it's important to have right doctrine. It's important to have intellectual understanding. But it is not, it is not enough to have that without a relationship with Jesus. And so what we want you to know is we want you to have both. So if you've got a, an electronic device, a phone, an iPad, something like that with you, I'm going to ask you right now, pull it out. Pull, pull it out right where you're at. Get it to the camera setting, all right? where you can use it on a QR code. If you don't know how to do that, don't ask me, all right? Um, no, seriously. Find somebody, because here's, and if, and if you miss this, we'll, we've got it on our website. For those of you that are online, we're actually gonna put the QR codes up on that. It's gonna be hard if you're watching on your phone to take a QR code with your phone. We understand that, all right? So you can come back to the website uh, and find all this information. But here are places where you can find a place to serve and grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ and connect with people, all right? Here's the first one. 10th Street Elementary School just located less than a mile and a half from this building, is, is a school with whom we partner. And we have for a number of years. In fact, this was the first of this model in the city of Anderson. We responded to a request from the community school system, from the superintendent of schools, who took my, myself and some staff members to lunch and said, look, we've got children in this school that's near your church, and they have a 24% food insecurity rate. Second Harvest Food Bank is willing to provide the food. We're willing to provide the location. Can you find us people who will, who will help us get food to people who are food insecure and do it every month? Not just once in a while to make a big show for the newspapers, but every month and do it on the third Thursday. And I said, how many people do you need? He said, 15. I'm like, I said, really? He goes, yeah, 15 who are nice. I said, now you just up the ante, all right? Can I have 15 nice people, right? And can I tell you that for over six years, on the third Thursday of every month, this last Thursday, there were people who were out there through the whole pandemic, even when we had to like change how we delivered the food. And it's, and it's done in such a way that, that families can come in and they shop for their food. And many of you have worked there and I thank you so much. But if you're looking for a place that you can serve once a month, that's a place you can do it. Another one that you hear about around here a lot is called Jakar's Closet. Jakar's Closet, uh, again, um, superintendent of schools came to us and said, look, we have, some, we have a problem with many of the children in our school system who don't have enough who don't have enough of the right kind of clothes. We see them like wearing the same clothes in class every day. We don't want to embarrass them. We don't want to do it. And so we've come up with an idea that we can use some of our students who are, who are, who are specializing in um, home ec kind of things and some of our, our challenged students to our learning skill sets to be able to refurbish clothing. Could you as a church, could you provide clothing that we could refurbish and then we'll set up a place at the D26 Center out on the south side of town where any student in the Anderson Community Schools, if their teacher sees that they're wearing the same clothes day after day after day, if they're being mocked or bullied or whatever because of what they wear, we can bring them to this place and they can shop for clothes for themselves and do it in such a way that their family's not made to feel lesser than, that they're not put down, that we can do this in a, in a wholesome way. And we're like, we'll try. 
And can I tell you that it never ceases to amaze me whenever we make appeals for them for certain kinds of clothes. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we started in the announcement saying, hey, if you wanna help Jakar's Closet, this is something we do. You guys, I couldn't even hardly get in the office the last couple of weeks with big bags of clothes that people were bringing in. I wanna thank you so much, but here's what I want you to know. You can be a part of that too because that need's never gonna change as long as we're reaching into a community. And, and what I also have to do is express from the director of the program their gratitude because they've shared with me and said, would you please thank Eastside Church because while we, while we partner with many community organizations, clubs and organizations, tell them about Jakar's Closets and many of them give, you need to know Eastside Church people give us 30% of the clothes that we give out to these kids. You are carrying that load in the community. Eastside, thank you. I told you since 1951, we've been here trying to say Jesus is the answer to that question. He is the Christ. And we've been trying to do it for families. That, when, I, when I met with those pastors who, who've been here before me, one of the themes that they kept coming up with was, you know what, at Eastside, it always used to amaze me how, how we would care for families and children. And so I just wanna let you know that's a big commitment we're making. Another place you can, you can go is, is, is a, a really, I mentioned a moment ago about Christmas, is Operation Love. Because we, we partner with them, not just at Christmas, but every Wednesday, uh, every Wednesday, down on 21st and Noble Street, Operation Love runs a food distribution for families in this community. They also have clothing available. They also have financial counseling available. They, they have a, a myriad of ministries, but every Wednesday, they distribute food. And the last year, they, they distributed 6,000 different family needs met, meals distributed that that touched like 19,000 stacked on top of each other meals over that, over that one year period of time. So much so that um, received an email from their director, Andrea Baker, a few weeks ago, um, actually just a few days ago, that they're beginning a, a bonus pantry on Thursday afternoon. If you'd like to be a part of that, I know some of you are already, but if you'd like to find that place to serve, you can check that QR code. It's gonna let you know about how to get in touch with them, uh, how to go through their training process, how to be a part of it. It's another place here in the city where you can do it. Uh, there's, a, there's another, if, if perhaps you've got a passion for, for, for children. Um, children of Promise uh, is a local organization that's international. Um, the directors, Mike and Heather Webb, are members of our congregation. Heather's actually one of our elders. Mike, you see, sing up here some Sundays. This morning, he's actually getting on a plane to head to Rwanda because they help Children of Promise sponsors children in 31 countries around the world. Uh, right now, between 4,800 and, and almost 5,000 children around the world. But here's the deal. Maybe you don't want to sponsor a child or maybe you already sponsor a child and you want to do something more. You can sponsor a child for about $33, $35 a month. But if that's not what you feel called to do, you know what they actually need? I was talking to Heather after first service. They need some people who could come down to their offices, which are out at exit 20, 226 there in the flagship Enterprise Center, and find their office there and, and could actually write letters to the children particularly if you speak Spanish and you interpret, this might be a place for you to use that gift to get a, to interpret and translate a letter from a child to their sponsoring family or to take a, a letter from a sponsoring family and, and put it into the language of the children. So if you wanna do that, 
There's a QR code. I told you, uh, last summer I told you there was an, a new ministry coming in again. We had partnered with the city of Anderson to bring in a national ministry called Teach One, Lead One. Um, this is an organization that comes into a community. The founder of it is Dr. Lois uh, Salerno Maldonado, who is a, a personal friend of me and this congregation. And she lives in Atlanta. It's a national organization. Uh, she's an Anderson University graduate. And, uh, and Lori and I were talking about it, and there's a group of people who are running the, Indi the Indiana program. And we told you last summer we were being given an invitation We'd met with the superintendent of schools and his whole council to go in and basically say to them, show us your people who have, their, your children, your, your, their students who are, who are the most at risk. Give us your most at risk kids for one hour a week. And we were prepped to try to get like one classroom, right? No, they, they, they came back to us and said, okay, and we started in September and we started with the one classroom because that's what we were ready for. And by the way, in order to do this, you've got to be vetted and trained and, and teach one and lead one. We'll do that. We'll help you get with them. They'll do the training for you. But, but the deal is, when the school system came back for the Anderson Intermediate School, they said to us, we would really like you to do three classrooms. So we went from thinking we needed to staff 20 enough staff for 20 kids so they want us to have enough staff for 70 kids and so it's running its pilot year here in Anderson this year by fall we want to we want to see if we can step up and meet that need if that's something you want to be a part of now I told you I'm going to give you these options that are outside the church because here's what we do Th these are things that we as people of God do for the kingdom of God but there are also three options you could do inside the church one is this our Eastside Kids Ministry is moving back into full swing. It's taken a little while, but it's becoming more and, more and more evident to us that these families are looking for places. And some of you have been with us, and, and, and we're so grateful. It is, we do know it's Anderson Community Schools spring break right now, as well as several other systems. So today may not be a good day to take a walk through. But, and by the way, you can't walk through unless we let you walk through. So we need to know you before you can walk through because we want our children safe there, okay? And so we, we secure that area. But if you'd like to work with kids from nursery through fifth grade, you can click that QR code. Pastor Mark, our family ministries pastor, will be more than happy to get with you. The other one is our East Side Youth Ministry. Pastor Johnny, yes, I said Pastor Johnny. He's not fully ordained yet, but he has started the process and completed the very first course. So that means you can call him Pastor Johnny and not the youth guy, all right, from now on. But, uh, but he is... Um, um, he is, is building our youth ministry, which again, youth ministries in the pandemic took major hits all over, the, all over this county and all over the country. So if you'd like to be a part of that, you can do that. Here's another area. Um, if you would like to, to be a part of an east side ministry team here that helps with anything from preparation of breakfast when we do breakfast to greeting people when they come on the, on the, the campus to helping in any way and just helping make, if you wanted to be with, help, help prepare food for people who are walking through grief, um, either a, a massive cancer surgery or, or, the, or the, the, you know, a funeral dinner, any, any way you want to be a part, if you want to use that QR code, you can do that. Now, here's, here's why I do all of this stuff. That's why I'm telling you all of this on a Sunday morning. 
is because we believe that we exist for the purpose of lifting up Jesus Christ so people can discover hope for their living. And that that's the answer to the question. And we want to, as a church, answer that question the same way. But you see, there's one more thing we need to do. Um, I told you that if none of these fit, there's something I was gonna give you for everybody to do. And there are two things that we are working toward, we're moving toward, and, and what I'd ask you to do, if you can do nothing else, I'd ask you to pray for our leadership team for this. You see, out of the pandemic, it's become evident that there is a lack of safe, good childcare for preschool age kids in Madison County. Places are full, there are waiting lists. And, and the pandemic has created a, a, a new setting in that. And, and so our, our leadership team has been talking with the appropriate local and state authorities about what it would look like for us to take this beautiful facility that we have and to use a portion of it for a pre preschool early childhood development center. Um, don't call the office and try to register your children or grandchildren because we're not that far yet. But would you pray with us that we would make sure that we cross every T and dot every I and create a system and an opportunity to meet this need because right now we have families in our community who are being offered jobs, but they can't take the job because they can't find childcare. And so there's a desperate need in this area and we wanna be able to help meet that need. The second thing you can pray about for us is this. God has blessed us over the years to go from six acres sitting on Fifth Street to buying property after property after property, some 14 different houses over the years. And we use half dozen or more of them for guest houses, for ministers and missionaries who are in transition or coming home on furlough. And, and we use some of them for parsonages for members of our staff. But, but we have two of them that we've just been using for storage. And um, they are not livable for people or pets. And, uh, and so what we are gonna try to do, accomplish this year, is to take those two houses down. And we've not had anybody living in them for years and years. We just used them for storage. And we found a way to store the things at no additional cost to the church that are in those places. So what we wanna do is we wanna tear them down and we wanna create spaces for families, park areas, if you would. We have two of those that we're planning to do this year, the Lord willing and permits pulled and all of that, so that we will have more spaces that are not just filled up with parking lots, but are beautiful spaces for families to be together. And so it's been a long process for us in this location for 71, Actually, we'll be 72 years this August. And God's brought us to this place. So I just want you to know how good and great God is. And I want you to know he has been so good to us as a church in this last year. And he is heading us into a whole new direction. 
So I'm going to ask you, if you would, whether you're with us online or on campus. If you're on campus, would you stand with me? If you're online, would you just take a minute? And we're going to sing. And we're going to worship. We're going to just take the, the, the day. We're just, going to, we're just going to thank God in our worship for all that he's done and all that he wants to do.
this church all these years and in the years to come. We thank you that you are all the provision that we will ever need. You are our honey in the rock, our water in the stone, our manna on the ground. No matter where we go, Lord, we know that you are faithful through all the different places in our lives and all the places we've been and all the places that we're going. So thank you, Jesus, for that. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone.
to be back with you guys this morning. It's been a couple weeks and I've missed you. <laughs> when Carrie and I were talking about this service, I was thinking back to how long it had been since I had started in the journey of Eastside. And this last weekend, I was thinking a lot about life and how far I've come and different places I've been. And this last um, week, I was in the Pacific Northwest and I was at a conference, couple conferences that they had invited me out to uh, kind of take a look to see if I would need to add music to these um, different events they were in. And in 1998, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter, Chloe. She is now 24, which makes me just 30. That's it. Um, and the last time I'd been out there, I was pregnant for her, and we had driven all the way up to as far as we, you could go on Mount Rainier, which is one of the highest peaks in the U.S., and we had driven up to what's called Paradise, Washington, and um, I, there's kind of a concrete path that you can walk around, and then I kind of decided to go off by myself. My then-husband was with his sister and a bunch of her kids, and I kind of went off and veered along around the side of this mountain. It was wildflower time, it was August, lots of colors, but it was still pretty cloudy and overcast, and when you get up there, it's pretty high. And uh, suddenly, I, I was having some feelings where I knew something wasn't quite right in my marriage, and I was starting to get nervous, but I had never told anybody that. Just some thoughts I was beginning to have, fear about having a baby, bringing a baby into this, are we gonna be okay, is this gonna be all right? And um, I was walking along the path, and um, as I turned a corner, the clouds cleared, and I could see this peak, and it, my, the whole sky was full of this snowy mountainous peak. Around me were wildflowers, there was a lake off to the side, I could hear running water, and I remember stopping just then and thinking, oh my gosh, I need to take a picture, and back then in the 90s, we didn't have pictures on our phones. And I think there were digital cameras, but I didn't have one. And um, I took a picture of it in my mind. And I thought, oh, this is what heaven is gonna look like. So as I was flying out there, I knew I wasn't gonna have time to drive down and do that again, and I hate to fly, so I always chart the flight paths <laughs> because I think, well, if I'm gonna crash, it's bad, I admit. I'm like, oh, I'll crash here, or, you know. And, and I knew we probably weren't gonna be coming up from the south at all. And it was about eight o'clock when we were flying in, and I had got my journal out. In that moment, I've, I've been really, I've talked about this a lot, so I apologize, but my dad just died. And very suddenly, he was very um, instrumental in my life. And I was just journaling about God, hey, can you just reassure me, you know, that he's okay and that it's okay. And I saw somebody lift the shade and I lifted my shade and this is what I saw. That is Mount Rainier Peak on the left, just poking out of the mountains and it was, the whole plane was talking about it. <laughs> Everybody was lifting their shades and and on the next slide, you can see that peak is, was very meaningful to me in 1998. And I could just sense and feel God say, 
it's going to be okay. And my dad is seeing things I could never begin to describe. And I thought about that. Paradise, Washington, right? I just felt this overwhelming sense of both God's spirit and my dad saying, I'm good. The things, the place that you are going to be going to be with me later on and with the Father. And I was thinking about the scripture in Isaiah that says, forget about what has happened. Keep going, stop going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. I'm doing a new thing. It's bursting out. Do you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the badlands. And in 2015, when we abruptly left ministry, and then in 17, when I lost my marriage and my family, I promised myself I will never do ministry again. I was done. I've seen around behind way too many church curtains. And um, so in August of 2021, Lake Jones called and said, hey, will you fill in? And I had filled in for worship, but I was like, I'm never doing ministry again. I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I had filled in in various churches, mega churches around town. And he said, can you go up to Eastside? And I had attended here in college. And so when we were talking about Impact Sunday and our history, I, I came and I, I filled in a second time. And Carrie was like, hey, could we catch lunch? And I was like, I know what he's about to do. And I'm going to tell him no. And so I said, no, we can't. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm very busy. And um, then I served again. And each time I served, all these people that do the slides and the sound and back here in the video and all of these singers and instrumentalists, these are people that slowly started to crack my heart open again. And all of you and this church is part of that. And so we had lunch later the next time and Carrie did a lot of listening, not very much talking, which is kind of rare for pastors these days. I mean that. There's, there's, there's few good ones left, I will tell you. And you have one. It's not perfect. He's not perfect. This place isn't perfect. But this place is a place where we come messy, broken. You know, we don't have smoke machines and all the things. And I said, well, if you just let me lead worship where I just talk about my life and I just share songs that hopefully help him get closer to Jesus, then I'll do it part-time. And it has been a huge blessing, all of you. <laughs> Shoot, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and this place. So we talk about all these slides every year. You kind of have to give a report. But being a part of a place that just does the thing instead of like makes videos and songs about the thing, but just does the thing, you get what I'm saying, is special. And so we're going to talk, we're going to sing this next song about what he's done here and when you sing about what he's done in you. And I'm going to sing it about what he's done in me. And if you want to join, we're going to close with this.
community and as I went through that list of slides and opportunities here and you're thinking hey wait a minute I don't live in Madison County <laughs> I want you to know Pastor Preston has placed in the chat room a link and if you'll fill that link out our commitment to you is that we will we will reach out into your community wherever you live if it's in the United States if you're outside the United States we will it'll be a little tougher for us but you can ask we'll try 
but we will find places and vet places for you where you can serve. Even if you've never been to Indiana or you've never been a part of Madison County, if you're in our online community, we want you to know you're a part of us. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, and we're grateful that you're a part of the church. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that when you sent your Son, he introduced us to such a personal relationship with you that, that we could call you Ava, Papa. And so this morning, we, we ask that you as our Papa, you as our Abba Father, would, would be so real to each one of us that we can answer without a shadow of a doubt the same way Peter and the disciples did. You, Jesus is the Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's the reconciler in my life. And he is the one who's called us together. Thank you for all you've done through Eastside Church and her people for decades. But more than that, thank you for the promise of what you are doing now and what you're going to do in the future and for inviting us to be a part of it. For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray.